Welcome to the Cuban Genealogy Podcast number 301. It's February 29th, 2020. On this podcast, we're discussing the Bacardi family. Just with the Bacardi family alone, we will be discussing Catalonian ancestry, French ancestry and immigration, Santiago de Cuba, the Taino, sugar, rum, and an Egyptian mummy. But first, some news. Digital Cuba will be launching a quarterly digital newsletter soon, covering any and all topics related to Cuban genealogy. To sign up, simply visit digitalcuba.org, and at the bottom of the home screen you will see a box, Sign Up for Cuban Genealogy Updates, and simply type in your email address. The next Cuban Genealogy Club of Miami meeting is March 7, 2020. It will be at 2 p.m. in the Green Library at FIU. Guests are welcome, and you can email the club at secretary at cubangenclub.org if you'd like to attend. And now on to the podcast. Do you have a French surname in your Cuban family tree? How exactly did the French migrate to Cuba? Why? When? Did you know that Havana has a historical connection to New Orleans? Do you know there's a Bacardi baseball connection? And don't forget that Egyptian mummy. I can already tell that this will be one of my favorite podcasts, even though I don't currently have any French ancestry through Cuba. Let's take a look at the factors that led to some of the French migration to Cuba. This will include the French Revolution, the Haitian Revolution, and this shaped the coffee and sugar industries in, and eventually the rum industry in Cuba. For this podcast, I used Tom Jelton's book, Bacardi and the Long Fight for Cuba. And we also reference the website, BacardiFoundation.org. Upcoming podcasts will be interconnected when we explore the rum industry, sugar industry, the chocolate connection, and Cuban baseball. Isn't this interesting? All of these topics are intertwined and will hopefully reveal what Cuba was like for our ancestors. Okay, French immigration can be described in four waves, 1790s and going forward. But without some of the historical references, these waves aren't very interesting. When we mix in the Haitian Revolution and the fact that every time that France and Spain had conflicts, the French were asked to leave Cuba. Cuba, of course, being a Spanish colony from the 1400s to 1898. That's more than 400 years of Spanish rule. With the brief British interruption, but we can circle back to that event in another podcast. Wave 1. The Haitian Revolution. This took place from 1791 to 1804. The French Revolution started in 1789, and that lasted for 10 years, ending in 1799. So there's a bit of an overlap. So, 1789 to 1815. So France really had a lot of upheaval in the homeland as well as in its colonies. Back to Wave 1 for Cuba, 1791 to, to the 1800s. Haitian-French immigration occurred due to the Haitian Revolution, where it's estimated that about 27,000-plus immigrants of all social classes came to Cuba during this period. These immigrants mainly landed in the eastern part of the island and reshaped Santiago de Cuba. This influx sparked the Santiago economy, especially in coffee production. Wave 2, 1810 to 1816. This wave is the result of the events that occurred in 1803 when France sold Louisiana to the United States. A notable number of French Louisianians left that region and headed for destinations like Cuba. Wave 3, 1818 to 1835. This time period includes the settling of Cienfuegos by immigrants from Bordeaux, France, and, interestingly enough, Irish-American residents from Philadelphia. Hmm. Wave 4 includes all French immigration after 1836. Okay, back to our family case study. I'm sure you've heard of Bacardi Rum. The Bacardi family is one of the most influential and most important families in Cuba. 
Tom Jolton's book begins with the Bacardi family tree, which is so fascinating, showing many of the Catalonian and French family branches. The Bacardi family's Cuban legacy starts with Don Facundo, born in 1813 in Catalonia, Spain. His brothers were merchants in Santiago. Don Facundo went on to marry Amalia Moreau. And there are so many Amalias in this family tree. I just imagine her to be such a dynamic woman with all that family love. She was born in 1823 in Haiti, which means her family migrated to Cuba in wave three or four. So when researching your family members with French ancestry, it would be ideal to keep these four waves in mind to get an idea of when your families arrived in Cuba. So, Don Facundo arrived in Cuba about 15 years old, about 1828. Do you have Catalonian roots in your tree? Listen to this description of Catalonians migrating to Cuba in the early 1800s. As one American visitor to Cuba wrote of the Catalan merchants he met, they arrive in poverty, begin with a shop six or eight feet square, live on a biscuit, and rise by patience, industry, and economy to wealth. Wow. Let's focus on Amalia for a moment. History usually favors the male players, but what about the women? Amalia was the granddaughter of a successful coffee plantation owner in Haiti. Interesting. According to the BacardiFoundation.org website, Doña Amalia was a well-educated woman of financial means, known for her generosity and balanced judgments. She met Don Facundo in 1840, and they were married in the Santiago Cathedral in 1843. Life was tranquil for the first ten years of their marriage. Then an earthquake devastated Santiago in 1852. This is another ten years before Bacardi Rum was established. And we are still a Spanish colony at this point. So the earthquake. It devastated life in Santiago. Facundo was a merchant owner. It seems he ran a type of general store, and he was known to be kind. Out of this kindness, he extended credit to his customers, customers who couldn't really pay their debts, and this led to the Bacardi store going into bankruptcy. Facundo was in charge of food distribution for the devastated citizens of Santiago. So, the earthquake damaged the sanitation system in the city, which resulted in a cholera breakout. 10% of the Santiago population perished from cholera in 1852. Unfortunately, two of the Bacardi's four children died from cholera, after that earthquake. The oldest child, Juan, who was six years old, and their infant, Maria. Remember Amalia's French Haitian plantation owner grandfather? He also perished. Can you imagine how scary it would be to lose all these relatives during the cholera epidemic? Well, Facundo and Amalia decided to go back to Spain until it was safe to live in Santiago. They went back to Sitges, where Facundo's parents lived. So Facundo would have been familiar with Spain but Amalia at this point had only known Haiti as a child and then eastern Cuba. The Bacardis didn't stay long in Sitges. They returned to Santiago de Cuba. The Bacardi store had been completely looted and Facundo couldn't collect any debts that he had previously been owed. So, in steps with Amalia's wealthy godmother, Clara Astier, another French-sounding last name, she was most likely also from pre-revolution period in Haiti. Clara loaned the Bacardis money to get started again. I wish I had a fairy godmother like that. Also added the fact that the sugar beet was introduced into the European market. There was a less demand for Cuban sugar. Hmm. So the Bacardis eventually started experimenting with rum. Rum at that time was a strong, burning beverage. We will cover Cuban rum in a future podcast. Santiago finally recovers from the earthquake, and eventually the yearnings for independence from Spain start to develop. And guess what? There's a Masonic Lodge in Santiago. 
Remember we covered the Masons in podcast 102, the Freemasons in Cuba? Well, the secret nature of the Masonic Lodges was the perfect place for revolutionaries to network and express their desires to have a free Cuba. In 1864, a group of merchants invite a politically aware mulatto to join the lodge. We are speaking of Antonio Maceo, and he was only 19 at the time. Can you imagine being recognized so young for your political ideology? He would later become an independence hero known as the Bronze Titan. He was the son of a black Dominican woman, Mariana Grajales Cuello, and a Venezuelan soldier, Marcos Maceo. Well, we covered Mariana Grajales Cuello in podcast 203, and it is also available for free download on your favorite podcast platform. Guess who else shows up in the story? Jose Martí, Cuba's independence hero. We will discuss his family tree in a later podcast as well. There are just so many significant people in this story. Okay, back to the French Cubans. Facundo and Amayo had three sons, the oldest being Emilio. Emilio marries Maria Le Berlachot, also of French descent. She passed away at a, at a young age, leaving Emilio with six children. He would later remarry Elvira Cape, whose father was born in France and a licensed physician. They also had four more children together. Emilio would later take Elvira on a whirlwind trip around the world. When visiting Egypt, they decided to buy a mummy. Now, what gift shop would be selling mummies back then? Would they have it shipped back to Cuba? That's exactly what they did. They had it shipped back to Cuba to be part of the Bacardi Rum Museum in Santiago. The author goes on to describe the Bacardis as an unconventional Cuban family. You think? A mummy? What kind of family heirloom is that? Hey, who gets the mummy? So we all know that Bacardi Rum goes on to be one of the most successful brands ever. Did you know that one famous Cuban cocktail was El Presidente, named after Emilio Bacardi Moreau? Half Cuban rum and half French vermouth. A genealogy cocktail. Isn't that crazy? And now back to Santiago. Santiago is the town where the Bacardis established their rum empire. It's also the area where most of the French settled in Cuba. And it's also the home of the future independence fighters to be known as the Mambises. I'd like to read a paragraph from the book that really connects all the genealogy podcast themes we've put together so far. The Taino, Santiago de Cuba, Sugar, Rum, Catalan Ancestry, French Ancestry, Cuban Nationalism, Cuban Independence. It's all here in this one Cuban family. Here's the excerpt. Note that Hatway is a Taino chief. Tell me, Hatway allegedly responded, are there any Christians in the heaven? Yes, the friar answered, but only the good ones go there. Then I'm not interested, Hatway said. Even the best are worthless, and I don't want to go to any place where I'll meet even a single one. Emilio Bacardi was fascinated by the story of Hatway, whom he described in an essay as the first martyr to die for Cuba. Years later, when the Bacardis moved into beer brewing, they chose Hatway as their brand name with the likeness of the Taino chief on the bottle label. I just love that story. It touches on so many Cuban elements, the Taino, the religion, Santiago, the sugar, the rum. Emilio Bacardi would go on to document much of the public life in Santiago. He documented obituaries, passenger arrivals, political crackdowns, and murders. He was a genealogist's dream come true. There's so much more to French immigration for, to Cuba. There's so much more about the Bacardi family, but we're out of time. I want to thank you for listening and thank you for supporting our podcast. And stay tuned. We have more on the Bacardi family and more on French immigration for Cuban genealogy. I'm your host, Brian Toscobello.